Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Global Geek News Podcast. This is episode number 36 of the Global Geek News Podcast, and always, or as always, I am your host, Jeremy Bray, alongside my co-host, Wesley Faulkner. How's it going, Wesley? Things are going well. It's the end of a nice long week, and the start of a very nice long weekend. I hope the weekend's certainly a whole lot nicer than the week was. This has been quite the crazy week. At least today has been pretty decent. Yeah, I, I think we both had some rough weeks, some rougher than others, but yeah. Yeah, one of those weeks that just hasn't been too fun. Yeah. But and we even tried to record this on Monday night, and even that got interrupted. Which, speaking of which, I suppose I probably ought to address it, since I addressed it when we started talking Monday, and that never got out. But oh, yeah. uh, episode 35 kind of screwed up the audio on that one. When I record it... Callgraph seems to record me in one channel and everybody else in another channel. So if you listen to the show, I was in the left ear and it, Wesley was in the right ear. Well, I didn't. Normally I go back through and make everything mono so it comes out fine. Well, I kind of accidentally skipped that step. So if you happen to listen to it or and not able to hear one of us or something like that, that would be why. So go download the show again and listen to it again. And sorry for not having a show for the past two weeks. Uh, been a little busy, a little bit crazy. And otherwise, I think that's it pretty much for the housekeeping stuff, other than go check out the Global Geek News blog, globalgeeknews.com slash blog. I still haven't switched the domain over. But posted a couple of things on there earlier this week that are worth checking out. Mm, I think that about covers it. Yep. It seemed like there was something we were talking about Monday that I kind of wanted to bring back into this show, but I can't even remember where I was now. Uh, we talked about uh, your Android note-taking program. Oh, yeah. Actually, I, uh, since we have an Android story as, that we have at the end of the show, I was going to include that in with that. So, and, we'll uh, talk we're about talking that. about maybe uh, you start in school? Oh, yes. Uh, starting school this upcoming Thursday at University of the People. Uh, just got my login stuff yesterday, so I kind of got logged into the interface. There's not a whole lot up there yet. The, it, everything's supposed to be opened up as a Thursday. It's going to be a lot more work than I thought it was. A lot more community aspects to it. As to where there's lots of discussions that you have to participate in, and your grade is partly based on the participation and stuff. Although it sounds like I may not have to go to like testing centers and stuff for schools that, or for like my finals, that it'll it'll be done online, which will be nice. That's good. Uh, I wonder if it's timed or something to prevent you from cheating. Or... Yeah, I assume it's timed. I know that it said as far as cheating goes, at least for the plagiarism, that your work will be sampled at random and compared against some cheating technologies, uh, cheating detection technology which we're supposed to find out more about here soon. I get Well, with the, with the first semester or whatever, you have to take a, like an introduction to online learning type of class, and I think um, what systems they use and stuff is supposed to be a part of that. Mm. But, yeah, they're, supposedly they're taking uh, cheating and stuff real serious, so I have to be careful. Is there a registration process like any other school? Like even though you have the same major as someone else, but you're separated to, but you have the choice of taking which classes, depending on how your lesson plan, the the, you know, the, the way it's the, the what do they call it, the catalogs, uh, sliced up. 
Yeah, I'm not sure how that stuff is working. I know for at least this first semester, we have to take the um, like fundamentals of online learning or something to that effect, and then English composition course. And that's all I know. I'm not sure how things are going to work in the future as far as like selecting classes and stuff, because I think there's supposed to be like some general education classes and some computer science electives and stuff that you should be able to choose. They, I'm guessing they just don't haven't gotten that far quite yet, since that's not part of the first semester. Mm-hmm. But apparently they've had thousands of people apply. Only 178 got accepted, which I thought they were supposed to have 300 for the first semester, which I thought that was a little bit strange, but even better that I was accepted as part of the one, that 178. That's, yeah, that's really cool. Uh, are you going to blog about that, too? Yeah, I plan on it. I actually hadn't even given that a whole lot of thought. I thought about it when I first applied, but hadn't thought about it since. I'll probably start doing that on my personal blog, PCNerd37.com, which I haven't touched since the Battlestar Galactica finale. But I I think I'll start blogging there. They they make us apparently take like some kind of an online journal and stuff where they recommend us writing every day in and stuff, and then every once in a while they'll go through and check that and see how well we're learning and stuff. So maybe I'll just copy the notes from there into onto my blog or something like that. But yeah, oh, yeah. I'll, I'll blog it. Yeah, that should be good. That would, that would mean no more, not much more work anyway for you. Yeah, yeah, it, it should be a fun experience. It'll be different. But I'm I'm looking forward to it. So I'm not. I can't say I really have an idea of quite what I'm getting myself into. There's supposed to be like classes of 20 students and stuff. Oh, okay. Um, and with people being accepted from all over the world, that kind of makes me a little nervous how easy that's going to be speaking or trying to interact with people from who doesn't have English as their first language. Well, at least uh, if you don't like it, you can get your money back. Yeah, all of zero dollars. Yeah, full refunds. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's kind of one of the things I'm wondering about is since from the looks of it, I don't have to go to a testing center to take my finals, which from the way it was originally said, you'd have to pay to get into the testing center and take the final and stuff. I'm wondering if ma- if now maybe we won't have to pay for to do that. I don't know. I'm kind of curious to see. Well, I wonder if it's, it's just the first semester because it is just a, what is it, just a general intro class, right? Yeah, pretty much. So maybe it's just because of that. Maybe it's just so you can get into the program, get used to the, the way the style is and and uh, just make sure that you're able to work within the system. Maybe it's just that, and maybe it's just a general credit, but not yeah. counted as you know. What do you call it? A, uh, elective instead of something mm-hmm. cool, the quarterly. Yeah. Well, find out and see what more I can find out, and hopefully, hopefully when we start next week, I'll get to find out a little bit more. Start on Thursday. So if not, I guess I'll find out kind of as the courses go along, which I find it kind of strange that they can basically consider their school week starting on a Thursday and ending on a Wednesday. So, like, for your week's worth of work, you start on Thursday, and then your assignment and everything has to be due by Tuesday. Then on Wednesday, you're supposed to take your time peer-reviewing two other people's homeworks, and then Thursday again, you start a new week. Oh, wow. It seems a little off to me, but 
That should be different. Anyway, I suppose we can go ahead and jump right into our stories. Yes. Since, from the looks of it, we're probably going to have a long show as it is, so... Um, first story, EA is apparently spending three times more on marketing their games than development. I, when I saw this, I can't say I'm at all surprised, because anybody who's played most of EA's games know just how crappy they are, especially when they have, like, something like a Madden or an NBA, um... 2010 or something like that, where you get these games that are basically just an iteration every year, where there's very little difference, yet they market it all the same and try and make you think that it's just the greatest new thing and everything. Yeah, and also there's a lot of games that are being released too at the same time, so you have to spend a little bit more money to get uh, that much in front of your audience so they can uh, know that your game is out and when it's available, and uh, and try to uh, try to get that demand early, and and get all the sales that they can before they find out it's a crappy game. Yeah, well, I know with the case of the new Command and Conquer game that's coming out, Command and Conquer Four, which I believe should be out, I think like around March or something next year, they're going to have to do a lot of marketing to make up for what they seem to be lacking in development. It's going to be from what we've seen so far, and I've, for many years, I've, actually, it's probably about nine years I've been a part of the Command & Conquer community, working at various fan sites and stuff over the years. Well, pretty much the entire community has the same reaction of, this is going to be a complete disaster. Mm. I, they've completely changed all of the gameplay, pretty much, and there's no more base building, no more resource gathering, pretty much everything has pretty much gone out the window. And it's pissed a lot of people off. And myself included. And this is, and I think this is going to be a real big case of, well, I, to be fair, it is still kind of in the pre-alpha or alpha version, so they can change a lot at this point. But if, assuming they don't completely change how they're doing things, this is going to be a major case case of polishing a turd and seeing just how polished you can get it and hopefully slide it by. Well, that's what you get with franchises almost. Like, most video game franchises are pretty good, but if they don't put what they need to to get to the next level, then they're just marketing off the name. Yeah, this and I discussed this in the blog, on the Global Geek News blog a couple of weeks ago, but at least with this Command & Conquer... The part of it, it makes no sense at all because this, they're essentially wrapping up the storyline that has spanned, I think it's 14 years now, the Tiberium storyline. Yet, in the name of trying to get new people playing the game, they're completely changing everything about the game, everything that the game has been for the past 14 years. And in the meantime, angering the entire fan base. A lot of people are going to be boycotting it already, myself included. Um, so, not only are they likely not going to get any fans, they're not even going to get the hardcore fans. Yeah, well, end of an era. Well, I mean, I think that's the best way to handle things. You know, you you vote with your with your pocketbook. Uh, you vote with your wallet. Um, if, if you don't like something, just don't buy it. 
Yeah, that'll be interesting to see how that turns out. Hopefully they can make some changes. They had Gamescom in Germany last week where they apparently had a, a bunch of feedback and stuff on it, and where they had a lot of the major members of the community, and they all told them how stupid they thought the idea of, and all the changes were. So from what I've heard, the whole team kind of went back, came back to the States depressed. <laughs> so I'll be inter- it'll be interesting to see how that turns out. But yeah, sounds like a little reality check. A little bit, but speaking of reality checks, it looks like the Wii got a reality check this week. Yeah, uh, it seems that when you uh, cut the price of something, people want to buy it for some weird, strange reason. Yeah, part of this kind of surprised me, and part of part of these numbers didn't. Um, story came out that with the PS3 and the 360 both getting $100 price drops as to where now their high-end machine, which I think there's still two versions of the PS3, two or three versions of the PS3 going around. If you, Three maybe if you include the Slim. I'm not too sure about that. Mm-hmm. But anyway, with them being dropped to $299, they, which everybody's been hoping the PS3's been going to be dropped for a long time, their numbers shot way ahead of the Wii. Or, well, PS3's did. Xbox 360 and the Wii, there's only about a 400-unit difference. But PS3 went from being number three out of all of them for pretty the entire time it's been sold to jumping ahead. They've, all, they've more than doubled their sales in just the last week. Yeah, it's uh, just week over week, it's 104% sales. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, totally doubled it. And uh, I guess the big thing is figure out if uh, this is really going to grow. Is, is this something new? Or, like, is there a ton of pent-up demand? Or is there just enough demand to make that first week worth it? And it's just going to trail off off of here. I'm guessing uh, this trend is going to continue. The PS3 is a decent machine. And uh, I think it was just price prohibitive. Um, and I think this another study came out uh, this past week about how... Most people who own a PS3 game longer on their PS3 than any other console. Yeah, I, I think this is not a short-lived thing by any means, especially with the holiday coming up and people looking for Blu-ray players and stuff. I think it's no longer as cost-prohibitive prohibitive as it once was. So I, I think this is going to continue. I'm kind of curious to see where the 360 goes from here. I mean, they've they've had a 32% growth over the past week, but they're fairly close to the Wii. What the number that shocked me the most was that year over year, or from this week last year compared to this week this year, the Wii has dropped in sales 46%. I you know I'm not surprised. If you listen to I mean it's they're not in the news anymore. People aren't talking about them anymore. And I don't even know the last time I saw a Wii commercial. Well, what I'm wondering is, is this a case of market saturation or the fact that everybody's kind of realizing this whole motion control thing is just some gimmick and it's not what people really want? It's a good question. Um, yeah, I don't know a lot of people who don't have a Wii. I think it, I think it's closer to saturation. saturation. But um, you would... Th- because if it's 
Uh, and it's not gadgets. It's not add-ons because you know they have the Motion Plus and like uh, uh, the Wii Fit Plus and um, all those all some new accessories that came out. I think people are just bored of it. It it, it lost its its uh, novelty and people are just moving on. Yeah, I know. I mean, I've got all three. Actually, I have everything on this list: the Wii 360, PS3, DS, PSP. PS2, I've got all, I've got everything, but it seems like with the Wii, I played it a little bit in the beginning, and, I, and every once in a while I play it off and on, but it, it's just not that spectacular to me. I mean, I don't mind playing bowling or golf and stuff with it, but anymore I prefer something with some better graphics than something that doesn't look that much better than my 64. I mean, I can just go hook up my Nintendo 64 and play games that look like that if I wanted to. Yeah, and there's not a lot of network games, and so basically if you want to play with other people, it's easier to have them come over, and, and that just turns playing the Wii into an event where you have to have a special case when people come over and then you play it. And so it's just a it's just a party console right now. Yeah. Well, and Wii is finally playing catch-up to the PS3 a little bit this week, and that the Opera, opera browser that has been 500 Wii points since the beginning is finally becoming free. Really? So it started off at free, mm-hmm. then it went to the points, and now it's back to free again? Yeah, for a short time there it was free, then it was 500 points, now it's back to free again, and is kind of a way of making it up to everybody that has spent the 500 Wii points. Apparently, sometime in the next month or so, they're supposed to be releasing a new... Um, game on the Wii Virtual Console thing. They can play the older games that's supposed to be 500 points. They don't say what the game is. Apparently it's a set game, but you basically get a free credit for that game. Oh, wow. That's nice. Which, the (laughs) PS3's had a browser all along. Sucky though it may be. Yeah, I'm surprised the 360 doesn't have one yet. Yeah, that's kind of what everybody's hoping for, but I don't know. I'm kind of curious to see how much people still want it after Facebook and Twitter and Last.fm integration takes place in the fall update. Yeah, but if you're looking at all these other companies, Nintendo, Sony, Microsoft is the only one that has a company that makes a browser. Yeah. Well, Sony's had their own browser for a long time in the um, PSP, which... The PS3 version is basically like the bigger, uglier cousin of the PSP version, although it's not near as slow, and it doesn't have the memory issues. But, I mean, the PS3 browser, it's a decent... Well, I don't know if I'd go as far as to say it's a decent browser. Adequate? Yeah, it works. Although, one of the things that a lot of people like to use it for was for watching Hulu, and since Hulu yeah. blocked the PS3, yeah. and having a browser is not that big a deal anymore. Yeah, well, um, I think it, that's going to have to get fixed, and that's going to have to change. Um, did anybody use uh, the browser to download music at all? Uh, I think you can download music with it. I know you can with the PSP, but I've never tried that on the PS3. Okay, well... Aren't all music downloads in that stealing? Mm, if you're listening to the federal government, it is. 
<laughs> yeah, this, well, I guess at least on their networks anyway. If you're if you're um, if you have any music on your systems, it's considered stolen. Yeah, th- this kind of shocked me when I saw it. Apparently, this is part of general training for just about any federal government position now. Is that whenever is that as far as they're concerned, all downloadable music is stolen, whether it's from BitTorrent, iTunes, Amazon, whatever. As far as they're concerned, it's stolen. And if you see a coworker that's in the government downloading music, you're supposed to go over there and say that's stealing. Yeah, and you put a little sticker with a sad face on it <laughs> on, on the coworker, so they know that that's not a good thing. Yeah, it seems kind of stupid to me. You'd think the government would know a little bit better about this kind of stuff. Yeah, and so any download of music, no matter where you are, is stealing. So also, uh, I'm wondering if you're listening to an audio podcast, if that would be considered stealing. Uh, because there's some music podcasts too, some Podsafe music. Yeah. Well, I'm kind of surprised that, like Apple or Amazon or whatever, isn't really saying anything about this. You'd think that they would be up in arms saying it, that purchased music is legal. Yeah. Well, I guess it is the government's network, so they can say whatever they want, but. If it's inherent in that it's in the training, it must be something that's going to be very hard to teach if it's built into their culture. Yeah. Well, I'm glad I don't work for the government, that's all I can say. Yeah, same here. Amen. <laughs> but speaking of probably dumb laws, or at least, well, maybe, I don't know if I'd say it's a completely Speaking dumb law. Speaking of dumb people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, Utah now has a new law that punishes texters as if they were drunks, if they were driving and caused a fatality, as to where they could get up to 15 years in jail. Yes, it's saying that uh, texting while driving is a- an act of uh, basically you're choosing to be distracted or not to be in full capacity. Uh, and so it would be the equivalent of drinking over in excess and um, as in willfully endangering other people while, while, uh, while driving. Yeah, I guess the big thing here is the whole idea of it being a willful act, which is what can get you 15 years in the slammer if you're not careful. But I don't know, I, when I was living out in Utah, I always kind of liked their laws or their road laws and stuff. Cause I mean, here in Colorado, they have a law where the only time you can be, at least on a highway over 65 miles an hour, you have to be in the right-hand lane unless you're passing. Out there, which is a good law, out out there, they have an even better version where you can still drive in the left-hand lane as long as there's not somebody behind you wanting to go past you. Then you have to move over. Otherwise, you can stay in the left-hand lane. Right. Something I wish. As long as you're there. not slowing someone, slowing, slowing someone down behind you. Right. Go through, yeah. 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 Well, the weirdest thing about this is saying uh, this law is saying because it's a willful act. Willful act, you can get 15 years. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I, I don't. I, got I think that's the whole willful act thing. I... Well, either still, like that means it's the equivalent of drunk driving. 
And if you're driving drunk and you kill someone, they're dead. The max you get is 15 years? Well, I, if if you're impaired in any way, kill somebody, I wouldn't say that's so much willful. I mean, that's not like an I'm going out to drive to intentionally kill you. Well, it's willful to know that you're not in the full capacity to operate a vehicle, which is yeah. very dangerous. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's stupid, and I would, I would probably more use the word accidental, maybe, rather than willful. But, um, I mean, accidental probably doesn't quite go far enough, but I think willful goes a little bit too far. All right. But either way, if you're driving yeah. drunk and you kill someone, I think you should get more than 15 years. Yeah, it, well, it's... A lot of people don't even get anywhere near that. I think it was... Uh, player for the Denver Nuggets, J.R. Smith, he recently got sentenced or whatever for an accident that he was involved in where I think it was... I don't I don't think he was drunk, but I don't remember. He, But he, I believe he rolled through a stop sign and one of his good friends that was in the car ended up getting killed because of it. And I think he only had to spend like 90 days in jail or something like that, or maybe it was 30 days, something like that. Yeah, that's stupid. Yeah, uh, well, yeah, they can probably stand to look at that again. Yeah, I think a human life is worth <clears throat> more than three months. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it seems seems a little low to me. But speaking of laws, sometimes they can be g- good, especially when you want to sue people. Yes, uh, the stories about how the court dismissed a lawsuit against Yahoo in which uh, Beverly, um, Beverly Stayard said that the company intentionally used her name to produce search results related to porno. <laughs> yeah, this is kind of funny. Apparently, she tended... Apparently, she did a vanity search, which I very rarely do. and Just because, for some reason, there's some... Uh, like a cricket player in Australia with my name, so... Last I checked, like, the first six pages of Google results were him before I showed up. <laughs> but, which is largely why I go by PCNerd37 online, because then you can always find me, rather than going by my normal name. But, in this case, apparently her name, when it showed up, it came up for all kinds of results for porn, sexual dysfunction drugs, and adult dating services. And apparently she thought that that harmed her, so she tried to sue Yahoo to get the um, results changed. Yeah, I wonder um, if she just wouldn't just tr- <laughs> switch her search engine. <laughs> like, you know, I don't like Yahoo because I think it's just totally inaccurate, so I'm going to use Google. But no, no, let's sue them. Let's get them to change that. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I kind of understand her point in that it was harming her personal brand. But at the How? Same, well, if, if I went to go search for this Beverly, whatever her name is, and was hoping to find like a Facebook page or a LinkedIn page or something like that, and instead found and a bunch of links to porn. <laughs> if I didn't happen to know her personally and just knew of her that I was going to find her on LinkedIn and connect with her or whatever, I might think that she was actually doing porn and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, was that like hurting her reputation though? <laughs> well. It could. It just kind of <laughs> depends, depends, I guess. But in the end, even the judge said that basically this is 
an algorithm. This isn't something that somebody put together intentionally to harm you. This is just something that an algorithm created based on what's out there on the internet. And there's nothing you can do about that. Yeah, she just needs better SEO. Yeah, that that's what I would say. Yeah, it's just if if it's that big of a deal. Um, so I had a friend who had this problem too. No, not maybe not this exact problem, but what they started doing is just using their middle initial, uh, and to become more unique. And so uh, when people search for their name, they would say, "Oh, it's it's blah blah f blah blah blah" instead of. Uh, blah blah blah, <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and th- that helped with you know making themselves more unique in the whole sea of names. Yeah, I, I mean I've gone by PC Nerd Thirty Seven for oh wow I don't even know how many years since the nineties I'm sure. Uh, I know I've had one of my PC Nerd Thirty Seven email addresses since like sixth grade, so that's been what. Hmm, Ten years ago, or well, not quite ten years ago, but I've I've gone by the name for a lot longer than that, mm-hmm. so that's why it's kind of easy to find me when you search that, and that just because there's so many other Jeremy Brays out there, I I almost don't even like going by my own name in person. Have a lot of people that I know, especially if I've been them online, they usually just refer to me as PC or PC Nerd or Nerd or something like that, and Honestly, that's kind of the way I prefer it, just about. Yeah, I can't believe she would spend that kind of money to sue, try to sue Yahoo. Uh, this is a very funny story, though. <laughs> uh, how many, how many t- did she search her name once and then decide to sue? Or I wonder if this is a course of you know several months. She's like, you know, it's not changing. Yeah. Well, she, people like her need to realize that you're not the only person in the world with that particular name. And there's services you can go to online that you can type in your name, and it'll give you a rough estimate of how many other people there are with that name. Oh, it's um, uh, Will from Alpha. Uh, I don't know about Will from Alpha. Alpha. I th- I'm Now that I think about it, I know it does that. But I, there have been sites for years that'll let you know kind of how many people there are with your name. If I remember right, I think I blogged about it once on... Uh, I want to say it's PCNerd37.com, I believe, where I blogged about one of one of these such sites. Yeah, well, I, I have... A, uh, there's a Wesley Faulkner in uh, Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, that that's, He's a lawyer, and he's number one in Google, and that already made me mad. The first thing, it, but um, I'm gaining on him because the first three results used to be him. Uh, now it's just the first result is him, and everything under that is pretty much me. Uh, yeah, well, that's but, one of the things that irritates me. I mean, yeah, most of the top Google results for my name go to some cricket player in Australia, but at the same time, I can't buy the Jeremy Bray domain name because there's some insurance salesman that uses it to redirect to his real estate website. <laughs> and that really irritates me. And if you're going to use the domain, fine, but don't do it as just some stupid redirect. Yeah. What's even funnier is like, uh, if you go to Google Images, mm-hmm. uh, there, there's a. The first few ones do. The, the first result, anyway, references my name and is a 
and I'm related to that link where they pull that picture, but the picture is not me. Huh? Yeah, I I see that happen with like celebrities and stuff from time to time, but I I don't think I've ever actually looked for myself on Google Images. Let's see what comes up here. Porn. <laughs> uh, nope, the cricket player. Well, at least now I know what he looks like. I never did actually go through and, ex- and see what he looks like. Any relation? No. Let's see. I, I show up in the second page of images on the lower left. Apparently it has my Facebook profile page of me and Katie Sackhoff. Oh. Which, that's kind of cool, but yeah. at the same time, I didn't, her. I didn't think that um, Facebook information was searchable by Google and other search engines. The profile part is like that. The whatever the page is open to the public if they don't have access, that is searchable. I have seen those pop up. And speaking of which, um, I did my did my name on Yahoo search, and the first two results are my Facebook page, and uh, that mm-hmm. other Wesley Faulkner's number three. So I'm, I think Yahoo's pretty spot on. Yeah, well, I haven't tried Yahoo or Bing Junior. I suppose you could call it, <laughs> but. Yeah, and apparently Facebook is timing out for me. That's not good. Everybody panic, Facebook is down. <laughs> Just about like everybody did with G- Gmail the other day. Yeah. But Maybe we should uh, go to a coffee shop and see if we get better access there. Yeah, this story kind of... I mean, the fact that Apple users love Wi-Fi cafes doesn't surprise me at all. The fact that they spend more kind of surprised me a little bit but I know whenever I go to a, like a coffee shop or if I'm sitting at an airport using Wi-Fi or something like that I tend to see a higher concentration of Apple users than anywhere else yeah I would, I'm not an Apple snob of course um, but I wonder if that has to do with uh, the fact that a lot of those a lot of people in cafes are usually freelancers or people who work from home and who rely on uh, and, and view Apple as more reliable as a machine and uh, more versatile. Uh, and so thus, uh, more people who work from home or work in cafes need a reliable machine, so they go for an Apple product. Well, I know they certainly get better better battery life than my laptop. Maybe not necessarily my netbook, but I know my laptop anyway. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, apparently, with I believe Apple has, like, what, 10% mar- market share or somewhere real close Overall? To yeah, I think it's like 11. Mm-hmm. 11 to 12. That's uh, globally. Uh, uh, and actually, and 7.4% according to this article. Really? Yeah, 7.4% of the U.S. market. Oh, the U.S. market. Yeah. And when you go into a coffee shop, I think it said something about, you can see like over 20% are Apple users. Mm-hmm. Or have their um, MacBooks or whatever with them. But yeah, you know, if you go to any tech event, a live blogging event or uh, anything like that. I, I predominantly see an overwhelming uh, uh, group of Macintoshes as a, or Apple computers as opposed to PCs. 
I kind of noticed that at events until netbooks started coming out. Then with the battery life and stuff in netbooks, I started to see more of those. True, yeah, I agree on that one. But, yeah, it seems like most of the in-crowd for the tech people generally have Macs, which I wouldn't mind giving one a shot. I've actually been looking into one lately. Yeah, I wouldn't mind giving one a shot, literally. Yeah. I don't know. I... I would like to have one, but at the same time, the price still puts me off. Although, um, I think it's still on sale. I'd have to check. But you can get on PC Connection the 15-inch MacBook Pro, the unibody that usually runs $1,600. They had it on sale this week. I assume it's still on sale for $1,300. So if anybody's looking for a 15-inch MacBook, that might be the way to go. And I'm not sure if you can get um, being cashed back through that, too. If you can, that would be even better. But, yeah, for me, it's just too expensive. I'd rather spend my money on a gaming desktop, anyway. Yeah, I'm, I just... I don't, I don't have... I, don't, I, just, I just don't like the UI. I don't like the user interface. Um, I don't... I, uh, like, this... Was it yesterday? A friend of mine, she called me. She, had a, she was on a Mac, and she couldn't upload a picture. And she downloaded it from her email, like she had a Gmail account, so she downloaded it from her Gmail account, and she was going to upload it on another website. And I wanted to look to see, okay, well, let's find out where it, went downlo- where it downloaded to. So I had her go to f- in Firefox and go to, uh, go to Tools, and I said, well, you should see something called Options, because I was going to see what the, the default folder is for downloads. She didn't have an Options. In the menu, hmm. uh, that's and I was different. like, "What? That, that's 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 OS X for you. They 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 hide things from you because you don't need to know where things are." And mm-hmm. I've and I've always had that problem with Macs is that they oversimplify things to the point where it confuses me because I have no idea how to change settings. Yeah, I the only thing I've never really liked too much about their UI is it looks too much like GNOME, I think. And when it comes to Linux stuff, I'm more of a KDE type of person because it's closer to Windows. I've always been on Windows, so... I also hated that you can't go full screen on their applications. Everything's Windows. Huh. I guess I kind of knew that, but I never really realized that because I know I see a lot of people like zooming in and out of Windows and stuff, but I never really gave any thought to the idea that you couldn't zoom in. I mean, maximize a window. Yeah, you can't do that. Huh. And then you can't and then you can't click the red dot. The red dot doesn't close it. You have to use, you know, you have to go to file, quit, or command quit, command Q, or whatever. Yeah, well, let's... I don't want to piss off any of our listeners, but yeah, you can see there's, there's several things that I don't like about it. I know there's probably a ton of things that people on the other side of the aisle say the same thing about Windows. Um, but... You know, I'm used to it. I'm used to the problems with Windows if, if there are perceived problems, and I just can't get used to the the issues with with OS X. Yeah. Well, speaking of which, if we have irritated anybody, feel free to tell us in the comments for the show. I don't think I've converted the comments on the Global Geek News website, but on the Global Geek News blog, I have moved everything over to JS Kit's Echo System, which is really cool if you haven't tried it out. I don't. I think it's like 12 bucks a year, something like that, where the comment 
system is such that you don't have to refresh. It automatically puts new comments in there without, so you don't have to refresh the page. It brings in there all the comments made about it that are linked back to the particular post on places like Twitter and friend feed and stuff like that. So all the comments and stuff are brought into one place. Plus, when you comment, you can have it tied to. You can use. You can connect with Facebook Connect, your Twitter logins, and whatever else you want to, so that when you comment, it'll go out to like your Twitter stream and say that I've I've said this, and then it gives a link so that people can see what it is you're commenting on. So it, it's a real cool thing. If you haven't checked out, checked it out. Check it out. You can check that out on the blog. And I think their website is like jskit.com. And I think there's, in between S and Kit, I believe there's a dash in there. But it's a really cool commenting system. Yeah, I know the folks over there. They're pretty cool, too. So uh, they like what they're doing, and, and they're doing good stuff there. So I w- I'd highly recommend it. Yeah, I I don't even remember what I, where I heard about it from. It was, I think I heard about it on Net at Night with Leo Laporte and Amber MacArthur. I think that's where I heard about it. And when I saw it, I was absolutely blown away by it. And this is like game changing for comments. It, it, yeah, it, and, it's and they're, they're evolving too, and they only get better. Yeah, this is, well, up until now, the best you could get is Discuss. And this is like, this kind of like blows Discuss out of the water, although I heard that Discuss released a new version in the past week or two or whatever that kind of plays a little bit of catch up. But now those are like the top two commenting engines, which are both worth checking out. Yeah, I know GSK has won awards uh, for their commenting system uh, mm-hmm. in the past, and that's before their most recent refresh. So. Yeah. Also on the blog, if you kind of noticed, we went back to the old layout. That's because the Echo didn't work with the Windows Vista themed layout that I had, so. For those that are wondering why we went back to the old layout, that's the reason. But anyway, back to our stories. Yes. Uh, next story, apparently the... Thanks, ki- thanks to our sponsor, JSKit. Yeah. <laughs> I wish. Maybe I should see if I can get them to sponsor. That'd be pretty cool. Um, anyway, next story. Apparently the Kindle, which I have, love, and spent I don't know how much time reading even today is apparently more environmentally friendly than old school books. Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, the, I know that with the pulping of trees and the conversion into paper and all the waste and, of course, you know, the loss of loss of uh, oxygen conversion, I mean, th- it only makes sense the Kindle, the, the Kindle would be better than, than traditional old textbooks. Yeah, they're saying... With the Kindle, the break-even point in terms of um, how much it costs to produce the Kindle versus books in terms of like CO2 and stuff is 22 and a half books. So if you have over the life of the device, so if you have 22 and a half books, um, you're essentially noodle with other forms of books. Anything above that, you're more environmentally friendly than if you had the actual paper versions of books. Yeah, but one thing I don't think they're um, they're they're factoring is is the the actual distribution of the books themselves. So that, only getting it delivered to the store and you going in and buying the book and then driving home. I think that's a big portion too. 
Yeah, that's what I was starting to wonder is just how much they've factored in there. So it seems like they've factored in the production of the books and the production of the Kindle, but I don't think they've factored in stuff like the amount of electricity your Kindle uses to charge, um, distribution of the books over the airways, distribution of normal books at actual stores like Barnes and Noble and stuff. So I'm, I'm guessing the results are a little bit different than what they have. I, th I think they're probably on the right track, but I wouldn't call this um, a complete study, I should say. Yeah, also, um, the, the sell rate of Kindle books is 100%. Uh, every book that's sent to a Kindle is sold to a Kindle. Uh, when you're talking about books that are sent to stores, um, those aren't all sold. Mm -hmm. And the ones that don't get sold get taken off the shelf, sent back to the manufacturers to be destroyed. And that's another cycle in which there's just more waste. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, I think the numbers are certainly off, but I don't know. There was a, there was some kind of software service or something like that that was at TechCrunch 50 last year. I cannot think of the name of it. That basically would go through and tell you all the details related to um, the carbon emissions based on whatever product it is. So everything from the finished product back to the transportation of the product, back to the picking of the ingredients in a field or the mining of the ingredients and everything, and the cost of that and everything as to where it was a lot more all-inclusive in terms of our total cost than something like this estimate is. Yeah, that's that's a lot to figure out, and there's always small nuances that make it different. Uh, and and they also, to be fair, they didn't. I guess they didn't talk about the Kindle itself, about uh, you know shipping the Kindles and uh, what what how how efficient was the factory that made the Kindles, that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. This is some interesting numbers, but I wouldn't necessarily take this as truth at this point. Although I think they're certainly decent ballpark figures, I would I would say. Yeah. I mean, it's a good way to start. If all, all is equal on both sides, then I think it's a fair assessment. Yeah. Well, speaking of the Kindle, apparently Amazon decided to give people back the copy of 1984 that they deleted off the Kindles. Either that yeah, give, give people what they want. Yeah, either that or you get a check for $30 or a gift card for $30, which would essentially get you three books on the Kindle. Yeah, which is kind of weird, because you would think that after the debacle, they already made their apology. I think it just kind of fell off the radar, at least for me anymore. I just stopped thinking about it. Um, I wonder if they're doing a little bit more harm than good. Uh, bring this subject back up again. I have a feeling this could have to do with the whole lawsuit that the one student's brought against him for having deleted his notes that he was using for school. Because when they're... For anybody who wants to get the copy of 1984 back, you'll apparently get back all the annotations that you had made, which kind of surprised me that they still kept those. But I'm guessing that doing that is kind of maybe part of like a potential settlement or something like that with this student. Let me ask you a question. I don't have a Kindle. Is there a way to transfer the notes off of that? 
onto another computer that actually shows what you're citing? As I recall, and I haven't much messed with it, but I believe when you go into the Kindle management interface on Amazon's website, you you'll have all of your annotations and bookmarks and stuff listed in there. So it whenever you get online and everything, it's all that information is backed up to Amazon services. But do you get the section that you're referencing in the book too? Like if I'm saying uh, if I'm making a note on something specific on page let's say 24, paragraph three, and I said this is where uh, the baby is born for the first time, and you would get your notes, but would you get that that uh, page 24, paragraph three, or whatever? Would you be able to get that text too? It would tell you where it's located, and depending on how you do it, it would may even give you a little snippet of the passage, because you can okay. s- select certain passages and stuff. But they don't have pages quite like that. They don't say, like, page 10, page 11, page 12, something like that. Instead, they give these their own special numbering system, where each page, depending on the font size that you're using, is numbers like 5,000 through 5,025 or something like that. Okay, so, so you couldn't... So the person who who lost the book, um, I heard that he was able to keep his notes. Mm-hmm. So he wouldn't, he wouldn't be able to then go to the store, buy a physical copy of that same book and just correlate saying, oh, okay, this page is this note and this page is that note. No, not in terms of the page numbers. I mean, his notes would be there, but I haven't yet really f- figured out a way to tie page numbers in a physical book to page numbers on the Kindle. Okay. And I think that's largely... I think they largely do that because of the fact that you can adjust the font size. So if you choose a smaller font size, you can get more on a page. If you choose a larger font size, it'll be less on a page. And it's just a matter of how many page turns. Hmm. So, um, as a Kindle owner, what do you think about this move by Bezos? I like it. I mean, unfortunately, I didn't have a copy of 1984. Uh, if I did, I'd probably be going with the um, gift card for 30 bucks, because I frankly don't care if I had the book. But um, I I like this, especially with the fact that they're, if you wanted the book back, they're returning it with the annotations. I, I think that was probably the smart move. I'm kind of curious to know what it is they worked out in the background with like the author or whatever because originally it, the book was removed for um, copyright violations because the person that had uploaded it to the Kindle store didn't hold the copyright for it. It was somebody else. So well, they didn't hold, have it in this country. Yeah, yeah. so I'm kind of curious to see well, in most other countries I think it's public domain by now. It's just we have copyright on stuff for so many years that it's ridiculous but I'm kind of curious to know what kind of an agreement they came to on the legal end with the copyright holders or whatever for them to be able to do this because I'm, I'm sure they didn't just go through and do this on their own without having without doing anything like that yeah I agree I think that's one of the questions that a lot of people are going to ask uh, hopefully it will come to light. If not, then that's just going to be even worse. Uh, and and that's why I think that it's it's you know let sleeping dogs lie. It's, they shouldn't have brought this back up. But this is an off, awesome deal. 
Uh, I wonder if it would have gone over better if it wasn't publicized as such, and if they just went ahead and just gave everyone either thirty dollar like thirty dollar credit or the book back, uh, or just gave people everyone the book back and a thirty dollar credit. Yeah. Well, one of the things that a lot of people don't realize is that despite all the DRM and everything and the fact that you pretty much have to get your books from Amazon unless you transfer through their, con- their conversion service and all that stuff, there's actually a considerable piracy problem. Or it may not be that huge, but there is a piracy problem on the Kindle in that, like this author, uploading stuff that they didn't do, other author, or other people are doing that as well, and I know when um, Amazon opened it up a couple of months ago for anybody to put their blog on there so that people can subscribe to their blog, which you can find the Global Geek News blog on the Kindle. I did put it in there. But apparently anybody can go through and claim a blog. So that so there were just random people going through and claiming like a Gizmodo or a TechCrunch or something like that. <laughs> wow. So that essentially all the sales for the subscription would be going to them instead of the people over at um, the sites like Gizmodo. Can I segue for just a second? Yeah, no problem. I was on TechCrunch this past week. Really? Did you see Did you see my picture? I must have missed that. Yeah, okay, just wondering. <laughs> it, go to TechCrunch right now. Okay. It was yesterday, so I don't know. I don't know if it was still be on the, on the front page, but well, if I could spell, it would help. And now, if I'll just load. Okay, it's loaded up now. Okay, well, um, go to old entries. Like scroll all the way back and go to old entries. Okay. Okay, it's loading. Slowly. I'm, I'm starting to think that make TechCrunch tries to put too much on a page just where it loads a little slow. Okay. And then when that loads, go to old stories again. Yeah, and you go on another page, on three pages in. And it's an article on September 2nd about TwitVite. Now, let's see. Ah. There it is. And if you click on the header of that article to open up the page, mm-hmm. yeah, scroll all the way down, or scroll down um, like a couple. Oh yeah, couple there pages. you are. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Yeah. Huh. I hadn't even realized there was a such a service like this. I guess I must have skipped over that story and not even paying attention. Yeah. I, 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 someone sent it to me. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm on TechCrunch. There's my 15 minutes of fame. Huh. <laughs> yeah, one day I'll make it on there. Closest thing I can get is have say something in the comments. Yeah. But. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. Maybe maybe this is the start of something big, or, yeah, maybe I just peaked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hey, you never know. But, anyway, speaking of what you might be doing. Um, <laughs> apparently a lot of people are now watching more TV and just consuming all forms of entertainment while they're online. Which, yeah, I think this just shows how crappy TV has got, has gotten. Uh, with all the cutbacks and the less scripted shows and more reality TV, 
Um, I, I I can see how attentions can be um, divided between the, the the internet and the TV. Yeah. Well, I, I think this is a case of... Well, actually, I think there could be numerous explanations for this. One, there's only 24 hours in a day, so you kind of have to try and squeeze everything in as best you can, whether it's watching TV, movies, surfing the internet, blogging, whatever. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, I think maybe it's a part of whatever you're watching on TV, surfing on the internet at the same time as a supplement to information. So if, like, you're watching Fox News, they claim one thing, you go online to fact-check, basically. I think that could be a big part of it, too. Yeah. And, uh, you know, sometimes you see something, or they mention a product that's interesting. Or, um, instead of, you know, people who don't have DVRs and uh, there's a commercial break, they want to just, you know, continue being entertained by something else instead of watching the, the ads and they might just surf the web. Yeah. Well, I I know I always, I don't right now, but almost always I have the TV going in the background, or at least when I'm at home, while I'm on the internet. And usually when it's not on a commercial, I'll have the TV unmuted. When it's during a commercial, I always mute the TV unless I'm watching multiple things at once. But And I think just how bad ads have gotten is a big part of it, too. But yeah. for me, I spend, oh, let's see, mm, I'd say probably around 14 hours or so a day on the internet. So it's just kind of, since I don't really have much time for anything else, it's just kind of on in the background. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah, it's, it's, falling, it's falling, TV is falling into the secondary task instead of the primary. Yeah. Um, it seemed like it was part of this story that, which really blew me away that says internet use has stayed almost completely stable on average at 26 hours per month I can't imagine being on that on the internet that little <laughs> Other than 20, it's, it's got to average out you can't say that you're typical though <laughs> yeah I, I was going to say I, I go through more than that in two days yeah you go through more than that in a day <laughs> If, if, you could, count, like, if you count two systems on the internet at the same time. <laughs> yeah. And then your phone. Yeah, you put all that together. I bet you you, you could pull down 26 hours in a day. Yeah. Well, if you can consider the total hours, yeah. I mean, I, I got my desktop that I use at home, a laptop that I use at work. I, if I'm not on there, I usually have at least my phone in my hand and my iPod in the other doing internet on one thing and internet on the other to mention my net netbook and you name it I'm pretty much I pretty much have usually like two gadgets internet connected going at all times mm-hmm. so yeah and especially if you if you had Hulu on one screen and then you had uh, you know check your email on another I mean yeah it's yeah. possible depending on how you count it yeah I still don't use Hulu once in a real, real great while, but I, I still avoid Hulu. Well, you might be using it more since you're. I saw your thing about canceling your Netflix. Just because I cancel my Netflix doesn't mean I would move to something like Hulu. It would just mean <laughs> I would be on BitTorrent a little bit more. <laughs> Actually, I really don't need to. I've got, I've got so many movies and TV shows that I haven't watched. I'm still only about halfway through Star Trek Deep Space Nine. 
plus I've started watching True Blood and everything, that I could go for quite a while before I ended up having to necessarily pirate more or get Netflix or buy more on PS3 downloads or 360 downloads or Hulu or whatever. You're ready for the digital apocalypse, man. You have your storage shelter and ready for the bomb to go off, and you're still good because you have all your nuts from the winter. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. As long as the power doesn't go out, I'm good. Yeah, <laughs> that's cool. The power goes out, I'm screwed. Well, as long as you're uh, you're not looking for um, Android apps. <laughs> yeah, this story those makes are, me want to cry. Those are hard to come by. <laughs> yeah, this story kind of surprised me a, a little bit. And with there being only 8,000 apps on Android compared to the 50,000 or... No, it, it's I think it's like over 60,000 or 80,000 or something like that now on the iPhone. The iPhone, people are making thousands of dollars a day even just in advertising. If you have a top app on Android, you're making in sales about 60 bucks a day. Yep. $62.39. Yeah. That's yeah, kind of sad. <laughs> now, that's uh, that's that's begging on the side of the street kind of wages. Yeah. Now I now, when I saw this, I no longer wondered why I had only sold eight copies of Master Memo. So that's basically part of my reason for looking into getting a Mac or at least a Mac Mini to maybe develop something for the iPhone that I might actually be able to sell. Well, the promise of Android was that, you know, it's an open platform. Anyone can start making a phone on it. And right now, it's only the T-Mobile is the only one that really has Android phones out there. Where are, where are all these other developers? I, I heard Motorola's, you know, in development. But why aren't these on the market? Why has it been so long? Yeah, I know um, Sprint is supposed to be coming out with the HTC Hero next month I reported on that on TechV earlier today and I know there's I think there's some in China coming out and there's supposed to be a bunch of others that are set to come out before the end of the year but even yeah. even with I would think on China top, would be all over that with like iPhone knockoffs with Android Android uh, operating system running on them well they're set to get the official iPhone here real soon anyway except there's like Lacking the Wi-Fi, I think, is the main difference for that version, mm-hmm. which I still think is a little on the odd side. But I think that's the government man. Yeah. Mandating. Yeah. Well, you know, it seems like a perfect fit, Apple and the Chinese government. I mean, I, think, <laughs> I have a feeling that the App Store approval process is probably run by the Chinese government. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and now I see the connection. Yeah. But. Yeah, I was kind of disappointed in this. I mean, I know there's supposed to be over a million G1s that have been sold, plus T-Mobile's got a couple other Android phones. For a top, for a number five ranking application to be selling only $62 a day worth of applications is kind of sad. Yeah, I, I think that is very sad. Um, but... Well, uh, I wonder how how that how that measures up to like OV store and uh, BlackBerry store. Uh, is it only second to Apple store? Yeah, I don't know. And from what I hear from people that use Android and stuff, I think a lot of it 
is the market, the Android market itself, and that it doesn't have screenshots and stuff that you'd find in the App Store. And there's over the past day or two, there's been leaked photos and video of an upgrade to the Android market to make it more like the App Store, as to where it will have screenshots and stuff. And I think when that happens, you'll see more sales because when you, if you're selling an application like I am with Master Memo, if people don't aren't able at least to see some screenshots of what you have, they're less likely to to be willing to pay for it. Now, if it's a free app, that's a different story, because you really have nothing to lose. But if you're paying for it, then you at least kind of want to see what you're getting. Yeah, I totally agree with you. So uh, Hopefully that should give them a nice kick in the pants. I, I agree with you. I, I would feel uncomfortable purchasing something uh, yeah. without, um, without seeing it first. And then going out, going to the vendor's website, and taking that extra step, and then going back, and then making the purchase is cumbersome. Yeah, well, um, I have a feeling that a lot of people aren't, a lot of Android users aren't necessarily aware that there is a refund thing where you have a 24-hour window that if you don't like an application, you can get a refund for it, which I would say there's maybe about half the people that purchased Master Memo have done that due to some crashing issues that I think I've solved, but I don't know. So please buy Master Memo. Tell me if it crashes on you when you record the audio because I have, I've never been able to replicate the crash and... If it crashes on you, you can get a refund as far as I'm concerned. So, there's that. But, yeah, I, this is, with as low as sales are, it's making me start to wonder where I need to be developing. I'd like yeah. to move over to Windows Mobile, but they're charging so much for developing an apps and listing it in their store, like $100 fees just to get in their store compared to $20 on Android and for the market to unlist unlimited apps and everything. I would like to go there, but money-wise, it's just not worth it. Yeah. Do you know how much Palm Store is? Uh, no, I don't know. Not that there's very many apps there anyway. I think there's all like two dozen or something like that now. Yeah. They're not much. Yeah. Oh, was that our last story? Yep, that was our last story. But in the case of Palm, I think they've just kind of shot themselves in the foot just because... Mm-hmm. Um, when they made their SDK and stuff, from what I understand, there's nothing really to make for developers to really take advantage of the hardware. So stuff like gaming and stuff is basically non-existent because yeah, they can't I, take advantage of the hardware. Yeah, and uh, there's some some quirkiness around um, programming in just uh, like uh, JavaScript. That it's just how it handles variables and and stuff like that. Because I've uh, I went to uh, the the Palm Pre Dev Camp here in Austin, mm-hmm. and uh, just learning about how the operating system works and stuff like that. And I had a friend who was there, and he was trying to make a game. And uh, he actually bought the support books, and they and they said, yeah, you know, the stuff that you think you should do and you can't do, it's really you can't do it. So yeah. <laughs> You're screwed, and so I think they're they're being held off about that. It, even if they wanted to stay with their strategy of letting developers only develop in JavaScript, they should have more high tiered or, or tier one vendors that they do give hardware access, so the big vendors at least can come up with some decent applications. Yeah, well, I remember when the iPhone 
was kind of first launching, or when Apple was first launching the App Store on the iPhone, you would see games, they would have a bunch of partners that they would allow to develop this to where when the conference, when they were first showing stuff off, they had um, companies like EA and stuff showing off versions of Spore that they had spent two weeks working on, already looking great, just because they had access to stuff like they would have more access to the hardware and stuff. You can't do that with Palm. I don't even know how well you can do it with Android. I think I think games on Android are pretty decent, from what I hear. Yeah, Palm. I don't. I mean, I, I mean, they've kind of fallen off as in the center of media attention lately. Anyway, mm-hmm. except when you bring up like uh, Verizon or something like that. But um, it they. I don't. I don't think their execution of this comeback is, you know, the best it could have been. I, I think it should have been better orchestrated than it has been now. Yeah, they, I think it had. It sh- originally showed a lot of promise, but I think that promise has been broken. Yeah, they they need to encourage developers. They need to um, give out a lot more stuff for free from Palm. Like, I mean, if you look at Windows Mobile, they they gave out. Um, they developed their own Facebook app and sent that out. Mm-hmm. Um, they're get, they're trying to add value to the platform. If other people aren't stepping up and develop things, they they are doing it themselves. Um, but it doesn't seem like that's happening with Palm, and and they've just gone silent too. Uh, there was a, like a media media blitz, like building up hype before it came out, and now it's out, and now nothing. I haven't heard one interview. Uh, with a Palm spokesman or any kind of uh, communications from them. Uh, I'm not saying there has been none, but I can say that I haven't heard any. Yeah, the only thing I ever see is when I go to the movie theaters, before the movie starts, they're always playing an ad for the Palm Pre. And that, you that's see the, the creepy lady? The... No, this is one where you see, like, they're supposedly running Facebook on the Palm Pre, and things are all running in like a 3D different level of depth-looking applications. And they're saying how everything is like live on the Palm Pre, is to where you're seeing all this stuff moving around at the same time. And yeah, they don't have the creepy lady yet, which yeah, is a good thing. So it sounds like they're spending a lot of money on advertisement, but I don't know if it's in the right place or even giving the right message. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So. We'll see. I mean, um, they're going to announce numbers soon. I think um, their quarterly numbers. We'll get it. I'm curious to see if it's going to be good news or not. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see because if this fails, Palm's done for good. So. Yeah, or, or hopefully, I mean, uh, Microsoft bought uh, Danger. Uh, I, I don't know what they're going to do with them. Uh-huh. Um, uh, maybe they could be bought by Microsoft, and Microsoft could leverage some of their technology. I mean, because it being a wet standard, I think they could probably uh, use it as a UI scan or maybe move it over to Danger and have another... I mean, there's Project Pink supposedly coming out of Microsoft. Um, mm-hmm. But also, they could just die and let and no one take them over, and, and I don't think we would miss them all that much because there, there's plenty of competition elsewhere. Yeah. Well, I think if Microsoft bought anybody in that space, it would be RIM. But I, I and I think that would be about the only 
um, purchase that would make a whole lot of sense to me. I think it makes sense. I don't think Microsoft is willing to make that kind of investment. Yeah, uh, they probably don't have all the cash stockpiled up like they did for the Yahoo purchase. Mm-hmm. But anyway, that's our um, show for tonight. It, certainly running longer, but since there hasn't been a show in about two weeks almost, I suppose that's probably an alright kind of thing. Yeah, we um, made it up for you. Yeah, yeah. Although I hate when we go long or too short or something like that, because since I still don't have real accurate tracking measurements, it screws with how many podcasts I think have been downloaded. But that's okay. Yeah. Anyway, um, don't forget to check out the blog, globalgeeknews.com slash blog. Try out the new comment system. Let me know what you think. I I really like it, so... And I believe... And I'll stick the JS kit thing in the show notes if I remember. Oh, one other thing. New little feature I've decided to add. With last time, I did a little tip on saving money when you're purchasing like computers and stuff online. When you're purchasing using like Bing Cash Back and stuff. Well, I've decided to make... To now have like a little tip of the week segment. This week's tip happens to be how to get rid of the jumpiness in YouTube when you're viewing in Firefox. I don't know about you, but I know for most people, myself included, if you're watching a video in Firefox, like about every 10 seconds or so, it'll like skip a couple of frames. Well, apparently that's because of a feature in Firefox where Firefox is like constantly saving the page, so should Firefox crash, you can start back where you were. Well, apparently... That happens about every 10 seconds. But if you go uh, go into the about colon config, look for browser.sessionstore.interval and change it to like 10,000, which um, are, well, I believe it's set to 10,000, which is in milliseconds. And if you set it to like 30, uh, was it 30,000 or 300,000? I think it's 300,000. You can change it to five minutes, and when you do that, it'll eliminate the jumpiness in fi- in YouTube videos on Firefox. So, it, it worked for me. I'm sure it'll work for you. So, if you're looking to have a better YouTube experience, I'm not sure how much it affects other sites, but at least for YouTube, this is what you should try first. So that one more time. Change it from 10,000 to what? Uh, I believe they had it they changed it to 300,000 which would be fi- 5 minutes is when is and every, your session will be saved every 5 minutes instead of every 10 seconds oh wow okay so or if you're one if you think that's too much and you want to if you're worried about losing too much work that way you can set it to like 120,000 and that would do it every 2 minutes but it hopefully it'll improve your YouTube watching experience. But anyway, that's pretty much it. Like I said, go check out the blog. There's been a couple of posts this week that I like. Um, uh, Hang on one second. Okay, sorry about that. I have, now I know I have a little bit to edit out. Anyway, uh, check out the blog. Put up a couple of posts this week. Not as many as I had hoped, but they're up there. And I'll get some more out next week. Um, If you want to stay up to date on all the latest tech news, don't forget to check out techv.com. That's one of the places I write on a regular basis. And I guess that's pretty much it. You can follow 
the Global Geek News podcast at Global Geek News on Twitter. So you can always find out when there's a new show, when there's a new blog post up, if there's been a delay on a show or something like that, or shows missing like it has been the past couple of weeks. You can find that out there. On the, and I usually Twitter it on my own account, at, which is at PCNerd37. So you can follow me too. With, usually I copy everything from one to the other, so it's just all the Global Geek News stuff goes to that, and then I throw in all kinds of various random stuff in my own. And you are Wesley83 on Twitter. Yes, I am. And wherever it, anywhere else that you care to point people to? Uh, well, right now I'm organizing the local Twestival, so if you want to see how I do on that, you can go to austin.twestival.com or austintwestival.com. Uh, and uh, hopefully we'll be live streaming the event on on one of those sites. Uh, and uh, I, you can also find me on Facebook, Wesley Faulkner on Facebook. So is this um, Twestable for Charity Water again, or is it for somebody different this time? Uh, now they're doing uh, Twestable Local. So every location is having a local event with supporting a local charity. And this charity that we're supporting this year is Mobile Loaves and Fishes. Um, they feed the homeless and they interact with the homeless of Austin. And uh, the goal for this year is to raise $10,000 to purchase a mobile home for uh, the, the goal of uh, getting one person off the street. Hmm. Well, that sounds like a pretty cool idea. Although I have a feeling that from the amount of tension it'll gather, it would probably be better to do one big global event for a single charity like they did last year rather than local events. But it but this is still pretty cool, and a whole lot more charities will be helped out this way. Yeah, well, I, I don't know. It, it, so, Twestable Global still might come back, and uh, I'm not sure if it's going to be for Charity Water again, but uh, I think they're going to do another global event. Yeah. Well, that seemed pretty fun. I didn't get to go to any, but I did watch some of the live streams of them. It seemed pretty fun. So, And I certainly donated. So, Anyway, um, yeah, I guess that's pretty much it for this week. If you have any comments, feel free to leave them on globalgeeknews.com, which is where you can find all the show notes so you can read all the stories that we talked about, because we did leave out plenty of details, just to make sure that you went there and clicked on the links. So, make sure to head there. If you have any feedback, if you need to say something to me, you can always email me, pcnerd37 at globalgeeknews.com If you'd like to advertise on the show, that would be the email address to contact me on as well. So we're always looking for ways to make money. So if you want to advertise, you're welcome to contact me. And I guess that's pretty much it for this week. We will see you guys next week. We will have our normal Monday night recording on Monday, even though it is a holiday. So there will be a new show on Tuesday. This one will go up on Saturday. So we will see you in a couple of days. Later. All right. Bye.